Whosoever shall say to his brother, you are a fool, he shall be in danger of hell fire. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In our modern day world, it seems that hell has frozen over. Hell is a subject that no one dares to talk about. But today in the Gospel, Jesus speaks to us about hellfire. He tells us that those who hold on to serious hatred, anger, and revenge against their neighbors are indeed in danger of hellfire. In a 1994 book, the Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, now canonized, he lamented that, quote, preachers, catechists, and teachers no longer have the courage to preach about hell. Indeed, it seems that in the modern mentality, hell has frozen over. And that's why the fatherly love that I have for all of you as your priest, this fatherly love inspires me to speak the whole truth to you because you deserve it. A priest who is not truthfully clear and straightforward about Christ's truth and the teaching of the church, this priest would betray the people he serves. And this priest would ultimately betray God, who is eternal truth itself. And so that's why I will convey this message to you today with fatherly love, because hell is a sobering reality. And because of this danger, it's necessary that we talk about it. We must reflect upon it before it is too late. So exactly what is hell and how can we avoid it? First of all, we have to look at the vocabulary. The word hell can have several meanings. Its general sense means the lower places. And the word comes to us from the Norse mythology in Scandinavia, where hell was the goddess of the underworld for the pagans. In the Apostles' Creed, we say that Jesus descended into hell, descendit ad inferos. In this sense, the word hell means the limbo of the fathers. This limbo was a place not of suffering, but rather a place of waiting for the souls of the just. People like Abraham, King David, Judith, Ruth, and St. Joseph, they were waiting there. And after the death of Jesus, Jesus descended into this place in order to lead all of these just souls into the eternal paradise they had been waiting for. But in its strict sense, and the sense we commonly think of, the word hell refers to a place of eternal suffering and punishment after death. And this hell truly exists. Jesus warns us about it time after time, in parable after parable, about the everlasting fire of hell, where he says there is darkness, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. And the apostles Peter and Jude write about hell in the New Testament and the fathers of the church in the early centuries, like St. Athanasius, St. Basil, St. Augustine. They all unanimously speak about hell as an eternal place of fiery punishment. And 
Also, it's been a common belief far and wide among all peoples and civilizations throughout human history that there exists some sort of hell punishment in the eternity of the afterlife. That is, if there are people that in this life do things that are wicked and evil, they will not be able to escape some sort of divine retribution in the afterlife. So belief in hell has been revealed to us. It has been commonly held. It's also reasonable. It makes sense. God made man free to love him. And God never forces us, but God does everything possible to win our love, to attract ourselves to love him. He died for us on the cross. He founded the church. He gave us the mass and the sacraments. He comes to live with us really and truly here in the most blessed sacrament of the altar. And throughout life, God is pursuing us with his graces. And for those who are truly sorry, God is willing to forgive and to forget with one good confession by reciting our penance. An eternity of punishment is wiped out. How easy it is to love God. How many means of grace he's given to us right under our nose at our fingertips. And so, it, in this way, it is easy for us to avoid hell because God has given us so much love and so many ways to avoid it. God will only condemn those who knowingly and willingly turn against him. Those who freely choose to die without any contrition or remorse. Can God honestly be blamed for that? Of course not. If sinners knew that God would always forgive them no matter what, well then God's law and the Ten Commandments would be meaningless. Without hell, God would be indifferent to good and evil. People who do not love God would then have no motive to make them repent. If there were no hell from which to save us, well then why did Christ Jesus suffer his bloody passion and death on the cross? Hell is not only a reality, it not only makes sense, but there is also nothing unjust about the doctrine of hell. No one goes to hell by accident. But people who knowingly and freely choose evil when they could have avoided it, these people choose to put themselves in hell. God has created human beings to be free. And he gives to everyone a superabundance of grace and opportunity to avoid hell and to do good. God never forces us. So how can God forgive those who freely choose not to want forgiveness. In hell, no one can change their minds. They have already once and for all freely chosen to say no to God. They do not regret the evil they have done. And thus, the damned have fixed themselves in evil forever. So what are the pains of hell? The worst torture of hell is called the pain of loss. That desperate sense of failure, of regret. The damned souls were created for God. 
they know that God made them to be happy with Him in heaven. And it would have been so easy for them to convert, to be sorry. It would have been so easy for them to serve God, but yet they refused. They missed that golden opportunity for heaven. They missed it through their own fault, and they know it. And on the day of judgment, they will hear those terrible words of Christ. I do not know you. And this overwhelming sense of loss and failure, it eats away at them forever. Hell is densely populated, but there is a crushing sense of loneliness. There is loneliness in hell because there is no love. Without love, there's no common good which unites. There's only division and hatred and separation. That is the most tragic thing about hell. There is no love. There is no God. There can never be any love. Beside this pain of loss, there's also the pain of sense. Because during our lives, um, our body also participates in good or in evil. The body will also share in the reward in heaven or in the punishment of hell. And so our Lord speaks about hell fire. Theologians generally think that this is a physical fire, although it's unlike the fire we know here on earth. Hell's fire causes no light. There's no warmth. But rather, this fire somehow causes a darkness and confusion. It fuels this sense of separation. This fire causes a burning sensation of of violence and fighting, a, a blazing sense of hatred for every fellow creature. It, there's a, a consuming envy of those in heaven. And in this fire, there is the sickening smell of burning sulfur, the ear-splitting sound of hateful screams of pain. There is a demonic laughter which sends chills down your spine. Imagine an enormous arena of chaos without boundaries, without rules, without hiding places, where human beings become the playthings of demons who beat, who strike without mercy. Not for one hour, not for one day, not just for one year, but for one long, very long eternity. And hell, there will be not one moment of peace because they have freely rejected God, there can be no love and no respite. Dear friends, all of this is not medieval poetry. This is a reality. This is a developed description of, of what Jesus has been telling us throughout the Gospels. So today, let us be grateful, very grateful that right now, we have been given another chance to avoid hell. While there is yet time in this life, dear friends, let us then love one another. Let us love one another in our families. Let us love one another, all those people around us, everyone committed in the image and likeness of God. Let us love one another and let us help one another to avoid so terrible a fate. To avoid hell, 
Jesus tells us that we must cut off that which is rotten. He uses the image of the tree to prune the decaying branches of the tree of our soul. We must cut off the bad habits which can infect and kill our spiritual life. Avoid the near occasions of sin. When that hateful thought, when that lustful desire, that jealous feeling crosses your mind, well, think of that dreadful company of the demons in hell. And this will help you to turn aside from temptation and to bring love and goodness to those people around you. We also must guard against scrupulosity. We must avoid an exaggerated fear which masks a subtle, prideful sense of self-security. We ourselves and our children, we will not avoid hell by forcing fear. No. Fear alone will eventually degenerate into skepticism, indifference, and despair. But we will avoid hell by love, by promoting love in our lives, by confident trust in the most precious blood of Jesus, whom we honor on our altars in a special way during this month of July. Jesus loves us so much. He shed his blood for us on the cross, every drop of it. And he gives us his precious blood in Holy Communion at every Mass. Jesus wants to save us from hell even more than we want to avoid it ourselves. And he will stop at nothing, pursuing us spiritually by giving us grace after grace, begging us to turn to him and and to follow the path of his commandments, which he has made so easy by giving us grace after grace after grace. So dear friends, by turning to Jesus, by daily prayer, and acts of mercy, our souls will find peace. And if we prayerfully invoke the most precious blood of Jesus, we will receive all the spiritual help we need to say yes to God. When it's time to pray your daily rosary, to say your morning prayer, to do your spiritual reading, say yes to God. When you see someone in need, when you come across a person who needs your help, someone who needs your forgiveness and mercy, say yes to God. Pray the chaplet of divine mercy for those who have no one to pray for them. If you invoke the most precious blood of Jesus upon the souls of the people who are dear to you, if you prayerfully invoke the most precious blood of Jesus upon those souls, five, ten, fifteen, dozens and dozens of times each day, then you will certainly help those people. You will help them to save their souls by the infinite power of God's mercy. And finally, turn to Mary. Confide your children into the hands of Mary Most Holy. With every rosary you pray, with every Hail Mary, with every novena, Mary will guide your loved ones. She will bring them back to the right path if they ever go astray. But it's up to you to prayerfully invoke Mary's intercession for them. No child of Mary will ever be lost. 
And so, dear friends, we have a lot of garden work to do in our souls. So let's get to it. Let's cut off the bad habits in our lives. Let's avoid those near occasions of sin. Let us overcome our laziness. And let us put good habits in place. To start a good habit, it might be really hard the first couple of times. But you will see that God will help you to make it easier and easier. If you say yes, if you allow His grace to work in your life. So, the, so let us make every effort. Let us spare ourselves no pain in order to take care of the tree of our soul now. And let us trust in the power of God's love for us. He will not allow us to fail as long as we go to Him and we cooperate prayerfully with what He is asking us to do in our lives. And let us love one another because God has loved us. Let us take care to help our neighbor's soul with a good example of faith, charity, and patience. If you pray, you will see and understand how God wants to use you for the sanctification of those souls around you. So ask Him for the help you need, and it shall be given to you. Let us take care to help other trees in the great garden of humanity. And then God will help us to persevere in loving one another with truth and charity in this world so that our efforts, every one of them, will pay off. And one day, we will see the beautiful harvest of fruit which God will give us in the eternal life of the heavenly world to come. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.